This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. All right, Matt, um, we're doing a little bit different today. We're recording on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday, uh, but it's all good. We have a lot to talk about, obviously, after that Monday night game that we just saw uh, Bengals taking on Jacksonville. Uh, and Matt, I, I just want to get right into it, man. We got a long show here in front of us uh, today. And, and obviously, the big news, is, it's all about Trevor Lawrence, uh, high ankle sprain. He had an offensive lineman step on his ankle. Uh, then he got collapsed down in on it. Uh, it, it didn't look great. Um, but yeah, listen, it, it's all things considered, I think you'll take it. Okay. No broken bones. Uh, you know, he should be back for the postseason. I mean, hell. I mean, Matt, his, his head coach won't even rule him out for week 14, which is, by the way, just sort of flyably like, come on. We, we know he's not playing week 14. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I, it. Honestly, there was a moment where I thought it was like way worse, right? I Same. mean, high ankle yeah. sprain sucks and like this is no fun. Um, it's not great for a quarterback. You know, I mean, uh, Kenny Pickett has a high ankle sprain. He had surgery like right, you know, right. just recently. So it's not great to have a damn high ankle sprain. Of course. Uh, that being said, like when he threw his helmet down, I thought he was like, you know, Achilles or something oh, like totally, that. Totally, totally. I was pretty concerned. So all things considered, not the worst thing in the world that Trevor Lawrence could have had with that injury, but still pretty brutal, not great. Um, and look, you don't need me to tell you that CJ Beathard is a big downgrade. Um, <laughs> right. I don't know. Lawrence this year has been, I think good. Like I think a really good quarterback. Yeah. I, do th- uh-huh. I do think there have been some moments where like his play speed is a little wonky. Like he either needs to pick it up or slow it down. Um, I think he's still, I mean, he's firmly like somewhere in the top 10 quarterbacks. Probably, yeah. probably, probably. Oh, no, Definitely. no question. In my mind, no question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. But, um, I, you know, it's not as if like he's just a set it, your watch by it elite quarterback type of yeah. guy. I think right, right, at right. this stage. Um, and he's not having like a Dak or, a, you know, that, that type of season, right? But he's right. having a good season. Uh, and obviously you go to Beathard, that is a huge downgrade. They also lose Christian Kirk. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, after one route run in the game, which is brutal because Kirk is so important for them. 
uh, opens up so much from that speed slot perspective. So obviously it just sucks to lose Trevor Lawrence on a, in a year where we're, I mean, we just like, we can't get through a week without a major, yeah. and this week was a bloodbath for injuries generally, but like every week it feels like we get a crippling injury to a brand name superstar type of player. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, uh, again, something like what, 20% of the starting uh, might even be 25%, but I know 20% of the starting quarterbacks have missed at least six games um, this year for the NFL. Wow. That's that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. That's unbelievable. And a, a lot of them, obviously, of the season-ending variety, right? So uh, we'll see what we get um, with uh, with Trevor Lawrence. By the way... I mean, dude, if the playoffs, if the playoffs started today, yeah. like if, if we were walking into a playoff game this week, like the, the, the teams that are like going to that are scheduled to be that are slated to be in the playoffs right now. We would have CJ Beathard starting for the Jags. We'd have Mitch <laughs> Trubisky starting for the Steelers. Oh We'd have God. Gardner Minshew starting for the Colts. Whoa. We'd have Joe Flacco, who Golly. obviously is our guy after saving Elijah Moore. We talked about that on the last episode. I mean, no, no shady Joe Flacco, but Joe Flacco Joe for Flacco. the Cleveland Browns. We Jake have Browning uh, is is in the mix somewhere. If the if the Bengals Jake can Browning pull it out. is is in the mix. I mean, he, but he's, oh they're the 11 seed. They got yeah. they got a long way to go. And then in the yeah. NFC, it's like Josh. It's Josh Dobbs or Nick Mullen or Jaron Hall is the time we're recording. We don't even know they're going to start this week for the damn Vikings. It's crazy. And that's not even to mention like Desmond Ritter is going to be a start is probably starting a playoff game. Like it's a, it's a weird looking, um, it's a weird looking like playoff uh, picture right now for some of these like fringy teams. And you know, the NFC certainly could have a couple of these teams, you know, push their way in, but we definitely could be looking at some, some, uh, skewed playoff games at least in the wild card round that's for sure i mean if you look at it too and again this is i know kansas city has not been playing well but golly it just sets up so nice (laughs) for kansas city you know you're like gee whiz the afc again just a hundred percent wide open uh which is crazy Uh, i mean the chiefs sitting there at eight and four and they've looked far from good uh, but I, I mean, I might just roll with them. I, I mean, you know, the Dolphins obviously at nine and three. You've got Lamar Jackson at nine and three with the Ravens too. But all things considered, I shoot, I might roll with KC, and they, they haven't looked good at all. I think we're kind of stretching it, saying they haven't looked good at all. They have certainly looked like a flawed team, and mm-hmm. we've seen the last few weeks like. Their defense sort of t- starts to take a couple steps back. Well, that's pretty problematic because we know the yeah. offense can't just like uncork it like they should be able to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Baltimore is really well set up in the AFC too. Um, obviously, Miami is the top seed right now. Those three teams definitely feel like a class to themselves in the AFC, depending on what happens with Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. So I think when Lawrence is out there, this is a, a flawed Jags team for sure. I mean, that mm-hmm. secondary is an issue. Uh, yeah. That that's a problem. Uh, that that's an that's an area of concern. Their offense has been a little bit stop and start this year, but I still think overall good team. That maybe they're not in that top class of the AFC, but they could make some noise. Yeah, well, we got to see with Christian Kirk. But by the way, that does dovetail very nicely um, into this question of who is this Parker Washington kid and where have they been hiding <laughs> this guy? Because what I don't get is when Zay Jones was not around. I mean, they were running two you know wide receiver sets like pretty much every down. It's it's almost as if, and we talked about this in in previous episodes. Why don't they go to 11 personnel? And I get it. Christian Kirk at the time maybe doesn't profile as an outside flanker type, but I think he can. 
right? And Parker Washington, I don't know, from just an eyeball test, man, I, I, he passed the eyeball test. Let me tell you that right now. And of course, I'm not, I'm 0% surprised that you've got charting info on Par- Parker Washington from his collegiate days. He's Josh Dobbs' cousin. I actually didn't realize that. Oh, is that right? Interesting. On uh, his, his, uh, his Wikipedia page, because just checking, like, I knew there was a time where he got, he was on injured reserve for a little bit this season, Josh Dobbs. But um, yeah, sixth round draft pick. Uh, I wrote that he and Puka Nakua were the guys. Like, Puka, I thought, actually had a chance to go in the third round, maybe, but right. um, he and Puka were the two guys that coming out of that, like, um, mostly day three guys I profiled for the um, for the the rookie roundup, like the mini samples of these guys. Like they were clearly the two that I really came away with feeling pretty good about. Um, he was my favorite of a guy that like slam dunk, definitely a day three draft pick, Parker Washington. But yeah, this this guy can play, man. Um, I mean, there's nothing super crazy in his reception perception profile, but um, three game sample size. And the one thing that really stood out to me was. Um, his success rate on curl routes, 14.7% of his routes were curl routes. He uh, had a hundred percent success rate, got a pretty solid ability to like sit down against zone coverage like that as a guy who's probably going to be a slot receiver. Um, he excelled on the flat route. Obviously that's key to, you know, that, that slot receiver archetype. He was a guy that Penn State, by the way, how many Penn State just been pumping out nice receivers for a while now, you <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. in the reception perception era from Allen Robinson to Chris Godwin to Jahan yep. Dotson. Uh, I'll shout out to Deshaun Hamilton, uh, Fredericksburg VA, VA's finest. I always like Deshaun, but he <laughs> dealt with a lot of injuries too. Yeah. Um, anyways, the best thing about Parker Washington from his reception perception profile, though, great hands. Um, he actually has 91st percentile hand size. Uh, in, according to mock draftable, despite the fact this is a guy who's five nine and two oh four, yeah, um, twenty nine inch arm length, fifty sixth percentile. But again, those not those big hands, and you see it in his game too. In the sample of games for his prospect profile, he did not drop a single pass. Very comfortable working in tight coverage. Had saw twenty six percent of his targets were contested in this sample, and he had a seventy five percent contested catch rate. Really good ball skills, and I think you already saw that on that Monday night win against the Bengals. Well, again, I just go back to Jaguars. Where, where was this kid? You know, how come we when Zay Jones went down with injury? Where, where was this guy? I mean, because he could play. I think he's just a pure um, slot player, and he's not the fastest guy. You know, obviously, like sixty percent of his snaps were in the slot for this uh, reception perception sample. Uh, and like I said, kind of uh, a compact player, right? He's like five, five nine, five ten, two oh four. But he gets off the line of scrimmage pretty well, like seventy five percent success rate versus press. I really like. Uh, now again, once you get deeper into the route tree, that's not going to be necessarily his game. Although he has a really good eighty four point six percent post route success rate. So interesting. <laughs> he's not like just a little bunny hop receiver type. I mean, he's an interesting player, man. I I do think he's got a chance to eventually be a slot receiver that sticks. Uh, They have a very odd receiver core in Jacksonville where they have these guys who are slot only. Then they have these like outside only guys. And then they have Zay Jones who, you know, I don't think Zay Jones is that good, but you know, it's right. He's kind of like a do everything type of player, but um, you know, Ridley, they're uncomfortable. They're, they're still, they're still weird with the Ridley usage. You know, it's kind of hit and miss there. So they have an odd receiver room in Jacksonville, but I do think Parker Washington has a chance to kind of stick around (laughs) just because he's a good player with good hands. 
Yeah, 5'9", 205. Uh, he ran a 4.4940 at his pro day. So you talk about lack of athleticism and lack of pop, especially in long speed. Well, there you go. It's it's really hard to be 5'9", 205 and, and, and run a 4.4940 uh, and play in the NFL. And yet uh, when you're in the slot, those kind of metrics, sometimes they just don't matter. You know what I mean? So uh, really interesting stuff here from Parker Washington. Again, eyeball test. I uh, just slam dunk. This guy needs to be playing. Uh, he could play in the NFL for sure. Uh, and, and again, I, I know Christian Kirk is hurt and that's what opened the door for him. But I mean, I just, I don't, I don't get it. You've got, you have Trevor Lawrence. Can we figure out a way to get Christian Kirk and playing, uh, get, getting him flanker snaps? You know, like I get it. You don't want to go exclusive eleven personnel because you don't think, you know, these guys can ha- handle it. Uh, all right, I I, I I get that to a degree, but when your best player is Trevor Lawrence, you, you got to throw three wide receivers out there and just let this boy cook, man. Like I don't get, I just don't understand that. Um, and by the way, by the way, the numbers would bear this out too, right? Because where did Trevor Lawrence struggle? It's when he didn't really have that many options. You know, it's Calvin Ridley, Christian Curry, and that was it, right? You're throwing two wide receivers out there and asking Trevor Lawrence to make something out of, I don't want to say out of nothing, but something out of very little. You know, you give him a third option here, especially when the third option is this kid, Parker Washington, who apparently knows how to get open. He knows how to get open. I feel you. I think that quietly, like Jacksonville's offensive coaching has been some of the most problematic in, in the league this year. Don't disagree. And I do th- don't disagree I do all. I do think that Doug Peterson, I've said this on the show all year, made an error in in not just keeping the play calling duties and and handing it over to Press Taylor. This mm-hmm. has been a huge problem all year. The route stuff we've highlighted with Ridley, that's been an issue. Um I think some of it's outside of their control. We like they wanted Travis Etienne to not be a full-time feature back. They wanted Tank Bigsby to sprinkle in, but Tank's big Tank Bigsby has been terrible and just right. been completely like inept. <laughs> right. So that has been then they've kind of overloaded him, and you can tell he's starting to wear down at this point. I, I think that Jacksonville's uh, coaching and uh, personnel deployment has been pretty problematic. I mean, even right. like when the when the reporters kind of started to press Doug Peterson about this prior to uh, the. I think it was the, the Titans game when Ridley had that massive game, you know, talking about like, Hey, you know, like your route depth is, is the lowest in the league according to like next gen stats and stuff. Like what's the deal. And he's like, Oh man, I, yeah, I got to take a look at that. Oh my like, God. I think, I think that I no. get what Doug Peterson, <laughs> I get what Doug Peterson wants to do here. He wants to yeah. do the same thing that Andy Reed did for him and like push his career further. All right, Doug, you take some shots, call and play so that you can get a head coaching job. Like press Taylor, you take, some shots call and play so that you can eventually get a head coaching job. But like, yo, Press Taylor is Zach Taylor's brother. Like, yep, cronyism will get him a job somewhere. He'll be, he'll be like, fine. You don't have, yeah, he'll, yeah, be, he'll <laughs> be he'll be fine. He'll be How about fine. let's try to win the F and Super Bowl this year? <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct. Um, hey, big uh, one of the big stories from last week, obviously, was that Terry McLaurin. receptions and yards. Absolute nightmare fuel uh, for those folks playing fantasy football. But he had a great quote, man. Um, Asked about, you know, not having a catch um, in this uh, in that game. Only the second time he's been active and not recorded a catch. But he said, quote, I ran a lot of cardio, which is just oh, my gosh. He said it tongue in cheek. But I mean, you know, I mean, at this point in the season, I don't know. Terry McLaurin's been through the war zone, man. Like, you know, he's been through ownership changes. He's seen some good. He's seen a lot of bad. 
Um, and I think he's just kind of sort of taking it in stride. But I don't know, man. What do we make of this? The fact that, again, Terry McLaurin, which is I don't care where you want to rank these guys, man, but he's in the conversation of a top 15, top 12 wide receiver in this league. Not a single catch in week 13. Crazy. Yeah, man. Uh, this one sucks. Uh, so, but by the way, Terry McLaurin is one of us. Uh, the, 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 the cardio <laughs> comment, like that, yeah, he sounds dude. like a, he sounds like a fantasy analyst, totally. he's saying that, right? Totally. Like, oh uh, yeah, he's in the cardio club. Um, so shout out to Terry McLaurin for that. But, you know, I, I have been really hard on this offense all year long. Um, I kind of feel like at different times this year, people, people have honestly, I think been starting to like get sick of me saying this. Cause I'm not, I'm not really like slamming on Sam Howell necessarily. Like I think Sam Howell stinks, um, but I really don't like the way this offense is set up and I really don't like the way this, um, this offense is designed. And, you know, again, I think people, people think I'm saying this because like, oh yeah, my guys, Terry McLaurin and, and Jahan Dotson aren't producing and, and stuff like that. Well, by the way, Curtis Samuel, who leads the team in receiving yards and he's one of my guys, right? Yeah, uh, leads yeah. the team at least in targets per route run and, and receiving yards last week. So let's be clear about that. Love me some Curtis Samuel. I love Curtis Samuel's sure. going to get himself a nice starting job next year. Um, but honestly, like I feel like people have are are gaslighting, like gaslighting you into trying to think that Sam Howell is a is like a, a star or like having a breakout oh, season. Like yeah, oh, Sam Howell leads the NFL in passing yards. He doesn't anymore, but like coming this week, leads the NFL in passing yards. Um, I thought we all like got a little smarter about football that we didn't just look at like raw stats anymore. <laughs> It'd be like, Oh yeah, this guy's leading the team, leading the NFL and passing our team must be good. Like coming into last week before this debacle against Miami, Sam Howell among quarterbacks with 200 plus attempts ranked 20th in EPA per EPA per play 21st in dropback success rate 24th in adjusted net yards per attempt 20th in passer rating had the fourth highest turnover worthy play rate according to fantasy points data and the highest pressure to sack percentage. Like that's pretty bad. And honestly, I, I don't like, I don't think this is necessarily a Sam Howell problem. I just think like, they throw the ball so much. Um, their pass rate over expectations absurdly high, which you would think, okay, well then Terry should eat, John Dotson should eat, all these guys. But right. um, I, you know, I don't have anyone to credit this to because I've just seen a few people mention this. But this is true. Like the stats bear it out. When the pass rate gets so, so high, normally you see it just gets spread out between a bunch of different dudes. Like it, mm -hmm. it, you start to get all these other like like we've seen with this team backup tight ends and backup running backs and all that. Like those are the guys that end up getting their target totals boosted, not the stars. And that's like what my biggest problem with this offense is they are not prioritizing like first read targets to Terry or first read targets to, to dots. And even Dotson like is a good player, but Terry, especially that it's a crime, man, because I'm looking at him. Like people have been asking me, does he still get open? I went back and charted that dolphins game Yeah, and he's open, man. I like, I don't. He's not necessarily like at the same high success rate that he has been at his peak seasons, but mm -hmm. he's still between like seventy three and seventy five percent success rate versus man, which is right around where he was the prior year. Um, again, I think Pretty he's good. still maybe not operating at a hundred percent because he did have that turf toe injury to start the year. But True. they still don't just have reads in place to get him the ball, like easy buttons like for sam Howell, like okay terry's over here you just you rip it to him on this like front side slant route or something like that it's just all very confusing i think they have sam Howell processing too much like with the rpo stuff and some of the straight yeah. dropback stuff 
our, our buddy Derek Klassen was posting like screenshots from their Thanksgiving game against Dallas. Uh-huh. Jumping around here a lot, but uh, he was posting some uh, screenshots from their game against Dallas. They have like Micah Parsons on first and 10 lining up as the nose tackle. Like just ultimate, you're not going to run the ball. You're going to drop back and pass, and we're going to come and kick your ass. Like it's it's pathetic. It's a really it's not a very good offense. Yeah, it's uh it's very strange. Terry McLaurin obviously has um uh, fallen off really in recent weeks too, right? Because he's been at fifty or under receiving yards for uh, four consecutive weeks, and obviously this is the nader, right? This is the low point. Three targets, zero grabs, zero yards in what I consider to actually be a pretty good spot against Miami. Now, Fangio's got them boys running a a lot better defensively. Jalen Ramsey, obviously, slowly but surely coming around as well. But I think overall, still a pretty good spot. And as you mentioned, you you talk about that success rate versus man and stuff like that. Look, anything that's approaching 75%, really, really good. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and again, you talk about him being open. Yeah, it's like anytime a, a player of Terry McLaurin's caliber post a straight zero spot you got to go back and watch the game like what's happening in this game are they double teaming him are they shading him and they're doing a lot of those things too yeah definitely but you're right he's i I mean there's so many opportunities bottom line is how did this man see three targets in this game that forget about the zero like the three targets in this game is just it's it's mind-bending like how does that happen in this ball game when you're when you end up losing this game 45 to 15 come on man what you gotta throw to your best player don't make no sense yeah that's another thing too is i think they're also another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Like they throw a lot of players at it. Um, and, and again, back to the whole idea that when a team throws the ball a lot, it doesn't necessarily just like, you know, concentrate between top players. Actually, typically you see the opposite. Think of like Drake London last year with the Falcons had a super high like target share and all that stuff. Well, they don't throw the ball very much. Yeah, right. Um, Garrett Wilson this year, he leads the NFL in air yard share. But like the Jets are not throwing the ball very much. And I don't blame the Jets for not throwing the ball very much. You kind of actually want somebody like in the middle kind of like mm-hmm. where Mike Evans is, right? Where okay, I don't have a good quarterback, but we don't we don't we throw the ball a good bit, but not like super high, and he can dominate looks there. Um, you know, 
there are other examples too, but that's kind of like an ideal where you'd want for a guy like Terry McLaurin when he's playing with a, a, a below average quarterback, which I think Sam Howe is a below average starting quarterback. Right. Um, and the biggest, I think, problem here with, like I said, they throw a lot of guys at this receiver room. They throw to so many players, but like, I don't see a lot of creativity here in like putting Terry McLaurin in spots. Like, getting True. him on uh, like like good route combinations, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, in this game alone, 12% of his routes are nine routes, 12% of his routes are post routes, 12% of his routes are corner routes. It's a lot of deep stuff. He's yeah. almost always on the line of scrimmage outside. Like We're not really scheming stuff up for our top players here. We're not doing work to get these. Like Think about what Shane Steichen is doing um, with the Indianapolis Colts with Michael Pittman, like putting right. him your best player in advantageous spots and working him open. Not none of that happening in Washington right now. It's just all like drop back and chuck it. And like you, your quarterback, a can't handle that. And B like most quarterbacks can't, you know, you got to help him out a little bit. There's not, I don't like, I see Shane Steichen and some of these good coaches doing that. I don't see like Eric B doing that for this offense. Um, and it's just crazy that like, They've just rolled with Howell all year and had him doing like this type of offense. It's, it's just like, I think Sam Howell, if he was playing with, like, for example, yeah. if he was playing on the Colts, like, I think uh-huh. that would actually be really fun, like a good run game. And like, we're, we're scheming guys up and stuff like that. I think Sam Howell shoot with like the Bucks. All right. Mm-hmm. We, we got Mike Evans and like, <laughs> I'm throwing to him 30% of the time, set it and forget it, baby, because he's like yeah. Mike Evans. But this like crazy spread out offense, I don't. It's just not for me. It's just not for me. You know what it is? It's so much um, mano a mano, beat the guy across from you type of offense. Yeah, yeah, right. And and for me, it's just like, all right, that's gonna work to a certain degree. But I think to your point, where are the easy throws? Where are the easy completions? Where are? By the way, when we talk about easy throws, we're not talking about bubble screens. We're talking about chunk yeah. plays, ten yards down, 10, 15 yards downfield, but wide open guys, and you know they're going to be schemed up wide open, right? Like even like a simple dagger. Like when was the last time you saw a dagger concept in in Washington, man? Where you got like a, 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 a like maybe Terry McLaurin on the outside, he's going to do you know a deep in cut or something, and you've got uh, Jahan Dotson clearing out the secondary in the in the um, in the defensive backfield, how many times have you seen that? Right, like, you don't you don't see it you don't see it that often. You, what you see is Terry McLaurin being asked to beat a guy one on one on the outside and get open deep, and then you're hoping the protection holds up long enough for Sam Howell to get it down there. <laughs> that right, then that's a, that that last part is pretty critical. Right, the protection that doesn't, make any sense. doesn't hold up, <laughs> and he's a sack prone quarterback. So <laughs> it's really been right, uh, like almost like a master class of like bad things coming together here. Yeah, uh, to make it like the worst. Po- like that is why you know you're gonna get like I, I can't believe Sam Howell is leading the NFL in passing yards, and none of his receivers are useful in fantasy. Well, it's like well. That's because the offense stinks, and there's a lot of different re- there's a lot of different things and right. confluence of events and factors coming together to make it sure. this way. It's very it is very frustrating. I do think like you know they'll that whole coaching staff is going to get cleared out. Like it'll be a yeah. whole new oh, thing yeah. in Washington next year. And you know I, I I think Sam Howell again in a different offense could probably give you viable starting quarterback play. So maybe they stick with Sam Howe or they bring in like, like they have a real quarterback competition. This, this quarterback competition this year was kind of bullshit where it was just yeah. like, 
Ron Rivera said at the end of last season, like, yeah, I didn't know Sam Howell was this good. And like, if we did, we would have started him last year and he's our QB one. It's like, what are we talking about here? Like, you, why'd you even sign Jacoby Brissett then at that point? Like for the uh, appearances right. that you were having a quarterback competition, but I don't, um, God, I don't need to see Jacoby Brissett in this offense either. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think Jacoby Brissett's a fine backup quarterback, but for sure. I don't need to see him dropping back 40 times a game and getting blasted behind a bad oh, offensive line God. either. So, um, yeah, I, I, the only, the last thing I'll say on this too, <sighs> I do have a little bit of concern that, we're going to get like Terry McLaurin will just go down the Allen Robinson tier of like the moment I have. And maybe this is just nothing but fear on my own part, but like okay. that three years from now, two years from now, like finally McLaurin will be in a really good situation, but it'll be like, ah, it's too late. Like we've already passed his prime. Yeah. Um, like I would argue that his best seasons were probably, um, I mean, his best season was probably 2021. Like from mm-hmm. a reception perception standpoint, that was probably his best season. And I hope we don't like just get farther and farther from that peak. So uh, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. And and by the way, he's been a consummate pro. I mean, when was the last time oh, you yeah. seen like when was the last time you seen this guy like you know tweet something weird or like go on Instagram live or like you know like, yeah right all these I mean th- think about Deontay Johnson right now like what's going on there think about Michael Michael Thomas. Thomas? Oh, pfft, Michael Thomas. Good Lord. Grow up, bro. You're like, <laughs> jeez. You've been in the league forever and like you're tweeting. I mean, give me a break. In the um, game. What, what is going on? Uh, crazy, man. Yeah. But yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, Terry McClure's been such a pro. Like it, it, it's it's unfortunate. He's the what? Their Walt, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee again this year. I know. I mean, have you ever actually have you ever actually looked at Terry McLaurin's like social media? It's actually like he just like fishes. He's just like fishing. Like that's what he does. He like hangs out with his his girlfriend, wife, whatever, and he's like fishing. That's like ninety percent. And oh post about Ohio State, like yep. that's what Terry McLaurin does. Like, I know. yeah. If we get to a point where this guy like never ends up, like it just is it just is gonna break my heart. So yeah, it's it, it really is unfortunate. Um, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. There you go. By the way, you've talked about the, the 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 this coaching staff in Washington probably going to get cleared out, right? And then, meanwhile, it, it's really interesting to to I think we all know that. So then, this report from Josina Anderson that um, quote I'm told the Chicago Bears are expected to have interest in um, Eric Bieniemy, with the general knowledge that Matt Eberflus is under evaluation with the team at four and eight. And it's like, I understand you want to go offense here. Totally understandable. If you're the bears, you want to go get away from Eberflus, who by the way, has had these guys playing much better defensively. But if you want to go in the offensive direction, I get it. But how do you watch what happened here in Washington and said, yep, I need that guy. That's the guy I need to lead my young quarterback of the future. I, that part confuses the hell out of me. Yeah, same. I don't think this has been a good year for like, oh, Terry McLaurin. Or excuse me, Terry McLaurin. I don't think this has been a good year for like Eric Bieniemy's head coaching um, resume, right? Like right. this was supposed to be his chance to like get away from Andy Reid and like kind of run his own show. Right. And I don't think that he's run a good show this year. Um, you know, I and look, it's really hard to know like who's going to be a good head coach and who's going to be who's just a good coordinator, right? Like there's it's there's not necessarily like a correlation between no. great offensive coordinator and great head coach. And I'm not saying like maybe Eric Bieniemy is a great head coach, but I'm with you that the way this year has gone other than like look, they have gotten production out of Sam Howell. Sam Howell hasn't played so poorly that like he should be benched or something like that, right? Right. But 
that's not necessarily like, okay, great. We got Sam Howell to a point where he shouldn't get benched. I think if you're trying to help your new quarterback, you might take number one overall if you're the Chicago Bears. Yeah, right. I'd, pro- I'd probably want to shoot a little higher. You know, plus there was the stuff from training camp where, you know, Eric Bieniemy like they had the players. Totally. Like, Dude, this relax, like all this stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I definitely kept like I came into this year being like, ah, I'm hoping Bieniemy shows them and like gets him gets a gets a head coaching job totally. because I think. It's been it's weird overdue. that he, yeah, it's overdue. But then, like, I don't know the product on the field this year. Just the product on the field this year. None of the other stuff that comes with it. Like, I'm kind of coming in here away from this season, thinking, you know what? Like, maybe there's a reason he hasn't gotten a head coaching job at this point because I don't think the plan that he's come in here with this and the results of this offense, which has talent like that's the thing about this. This team should not be picking fourth in the draft, and that's where they're scheduled to pick right now. And like. Ron Rivera and these guys, I mean, they effed up the defense side of the ball so hard, and you know, it just it's Jack not Del good. Rio. But like, good lord, Jack Del Rio, the game passed Jack Del Rio by like four years ago. Okay, right. so that was obviously a joke, and I'm not saying they're picking fourth in the draft because Eric Bieniemy's offense isn't good, but they shouldn't be this bad on offense. And and I'm I'm definitely coming away like I think stock down on on the Bieniemy stuff after this year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know what? Like Bieniemy would be for uh, good for a team that is i don't know maybe trying to like break through a little bit but they need some veteran leadership i i I don't think he's the right coach if you're trying to you know build up a young team and that's what chicago's gonna have obviously is a very young team and and, you know the enemy's you know abrasive coaching style probably not going to work with uh, a team that's really really young and and just trying to come up you know so i think that's a good call yeah, so I just that's why for me Chicago I don't understand, you know, uh that I don't get. Anyways, what about um, the Chargers? That's actually just real quick. That's inter- like a thought for the Chargers like I mean, Justin Herbert is like the easiest guy to get along with. He's actually sometimes like some people have said he's um too much of a people pleaser. Uh He's an introvert, and, and for sure. He's all oh, total introvert. I mean, my favorite yeah. quote from a player of all time was when we interviewed him on the first episode of Eckler's Edge last year in person, he's like, yeah, outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. Like he just is kind of a regular guy, but he's a yeah. great quarterback. Like, right. You know, that, that's a, that's a team that's going to have like one good receiver next year and Keenan Allen. And we'll see what happens with Mike Williams. Like, yeah, bring the enemies like crazy ass, spread it out and uh, you know, drop back and, and all that stuff. Offense to, to, to LA. I actually think that that's a good point. Like a veteran quarterback who's competent, who can elevate players um, that and like can process a lot of this stuff. Cause that's the thing, like these teams that ask their quarterback to drop back. And then when they are like, they're also running RPOs and stuff. You're just putting such a mental strain on them. Like yeah. um, some of these coaches like Gary Kubiak and, uh, and like Kyle Shan, they're like, yeah, I, I don't want, I want my quarterback just handing the ball off so that he can like take a mental breather every now and mm-hmm. again. Like Justin Herbert doesn't, he's, he's so smart. He can, he can handle that mental strain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Saints might be another spot that uh, that the enemy might be decent in oh, as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, listen, man. I think at this point, I would take literally anyone other than Dennis Allen and, yeah, and Carmichael. Okay, <laughs> like, golly, it's horrible uh, there in New Orleans. Uh, which, by the way, can, let me look at the standings here real quick because can they? Can they? Yeah, they're they're a game out in the NFC South oh, at yeah. five and seven. <laughs> yeah. With the NFC yep. South, 
God dang. What are we talking about here? This is crazy. Um, what a division the NFC South is. Um, okay, I want to play this game. I love this game. We've been playing for the past couple of weeks, okay? Who would you rather be for the next five years, Matt Harmon? Would you rather be, uh, and I'm going to list two contenders now, all right? Bills or the Lions? Who would you rather be? For the Bills, let me set you up here. For the Bills, you've got Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, and a pretty good young running back there in James Cook. Um, bottom line is, man, you got J- Josh Allen, okay? I love it. For the Lions, though, for the Lions, though, now you've got Jared Goff at quarterback, but I think you got some pretty nice pieces around him as well. I'm on Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Sam Laporta, a super dynamic tight end as well. I think they're an outside wide receiver away from really just freaking going crazy um, offensively. But just given where they are, AFC, NFC, where, where these guys are trending, which team would you rather be, Bills or Lions? This is a tough one, man. Um, my concern with Detroit yeah. is that um, – they're going to lose Ben Johnson this offseason, right? Um, Probably. And I yeah. would say mm-hmm. that Jared Goff is a, a good quality starting quarterback, but we're, we're starting to see some of the Jared Goff stuff the last yeah. couple of weeks or, or the last few weeks, really. That at least makes me concerned. Like, are, is Jared Goff their quarterback in five years? Mm. I would say probably not, right? Probably, like, I think they... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's how old is Jared Goff at this point? He's twenty. He's twenty nine years old. So like, is thirty four year old Jared Goff their quarterback in five years for the Detroit Lions? Yeah, probably I not. would say probably yeah, not. Probably. Yeah, probably not. I do think that I believe in Dan Campbell. I believe in kind of the infrastructure there with the Lions. I like. Right. I really like this young core. I mean, whenever they do decide to go in a different direction in quarterback, and I mean it's going to be tough because they're never going to pick high in the draft. But like, whoever they end up trying to get here, dropping them in with. Amon Ra and Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta. And he like maybe Jamison Williams develops. I don't know. At least he's at least he's starting to um at least he's starting to make some plays, right? I mean, yeah. he is definitely not like a, a first round receiver worthy type, uh-huh. but he's at least starting to right. make some plays. But yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. An outside wide receiver away from being a great, great offense. Like that, that's a core like you drop a quarterback in there and I think you're ready to go. Mm, yep. The thing is though, if you're the Bills, you have a quarterback. You have Josh Allen. You have the thing. And uh, I don't know. I feel I feel like I'm talking a little bit out of my ass if I don't pick the Lions because I I <laughs> just picked the Colts over the Chargers. Okay. Which which but at the same time, I think Josh Allen is better than Justin Herbert. I think uh, and not by much. I'm a Herbert fan, but I do think Josh yeah. Allen is a better building block. Um, I think you've seen Josh Allen sort of get revitalized the last few years or last few weeks with yeah. uh, Joe Brady calling the plays. I mean, 30 plus points in both Joe Brady games. I think whatever it was that Ken Dorsey was, there was some sort of negative impact in the building. I don't know whether it was for sure. Um, yeah, I think there's just something to that. So, and I think Sean McDermott's a good coach. I know Bills fans are starting to get pissed at Sean McDermott, but I think yeah. Sean McDermott is overall a good coach. So I, I think I'm pro- because I think you have head coach and quarterback kind of solved here. Like I, I think I gotta go with Josh Allen because I think at some point and, and the Bills because I think at some point in the next five years you're gonna run into like a what do we do at quarterback question here for um for for the Lions. It's not yeah. like with the Colts, right? Like you have Anthony Richardson in the building and I think Anthony Richardson is going to be a good quarterback. The the, the Lions don't really have I th- they think they have a a very fine good present at quarterback, but I don't think they have a future at quarterback. 
it's really interesting um, as well, right? Because you would think like, uh, well, why would you not want to be the Lions? They're nine and three this year. The Bills are six and six. They play in a much tougher um, overall conference in the AFC versus the NFC. Although a lot of NFC honks will, of course, point to this year and say, well, that's not true this year. And it's like, yeah, okay, I guess. But I mean, you know, you, you factor in all the injuries. Okay. And when people start getting back to health, trust me, the AFC is going to be a much better conference overall uh, than the NFC. So it, at least from like a this year perspective and like just on its face, you'd be almost insane to pick the bills, to be honest with you, like nine and three versus six and six. You know what I'm saying? Um, and again, there's no question. I think Detroit is an ascending team. The bills. Meanwhile, while they are again, I know they're six and six, but I'm saying like, you know, they're at their, <laughs> I don't want to say peak, but you know, it's like they're, they're, they're pretty talented, right? Overall, yeah. I would say that defensively, I'm a little bit worried, man. It's an aging right. defense, not not as badly as um, you know some of the other teams we were talking about before, but it's an aging defense. Okay, uh, you know, Poyer, Micah Hyde, they're both 33 next year, dude. That's your entire starting safety core, right? Vaughn Miller's probably not going to be on this, most 100% not going to be on this team next year. Matt Milano, who's coming off of a major injury, he turns 30 next year. And Trey White, who's coming off of a major injury, is 29 next year, right? So we're talking about, these are the core of your, that's the core of your defense right here, right? Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I think they're next year. It's going to be, that's it. And then after that, I think they're going to be chasing. I think they're going to be chasing really, really hard. I'll go ahead and take the lions. Cause a, cause they're just a younger squad. I get that the, they've got a concern there at quarterback um, in two to three years. Uh, I, we're hoping, man, that the Detroit, who I think has been pretty aggressive in moving up in the draft, maybe they get aggressive again uh, and try to find some kind of, you know, maybe not a top three or four or five pick, but somebody in the first round to play quarterback and trying to groom uh, over the next couple of years. Very deep quarterback draft uh, in this year's draft, too. I think you could actually get a pretty good bargain. Um, late in the first round in terms of if we're talking about grooming a young quarterback, you know? So I don't know, man. Like, I feel like their defense is obviously not as good as the Bills this year, but next year they're going to be a lot closer, man. Like, I really think Aiden Hutchinson, Brian Branch has been great for them. Jack Campbell's been, eh, he's been all right, okay? But, I mean, bottom line is it's a, it's a solid core that is very young and developing there. Uh, for Detroit. No, it's an interesting question. Um, and, and you're kind of convinced, maybe convincing me a little bit on the Lions side of it, but it's just one of these things where like, you know, we're definitely sitting here at the end of um, what I would say sort of is phase two of the Josh Allen experience in Buffalo, right? Cause uh -huh. phase one, well, I think there's kind of been, there's, this is kind of the end of maybe phase three because phase one was the Josh Allen is not good. Phase two was the, all right, Josh right. Allen's got right. John Brown and Cole Beasley and Steph Diggs and like we've got him playing and Brian Dable and like we're playing well. And then this, yeah. this third phase has been like sort of the twilight of uh, this window here. And everybody's like, oh, the, the Bills window, blah, 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 blah. But like here's the thing. Three years from now, they could just have like again. They could be in phase four, and phase four could be awesome. But if they yeah. just they have to they have to build the roster, I think a little bit better than they've built it the last couple of years. Like some of the weird draft picks on offense. Like you know, let's get some receivers in here, and uh, you know, maybe a real run game that'd be great. 
Yeah. But I think if they could stay consistent on that vision, it's just like you have Josh Allen. You got That's a problem solver all on its own. Yeah, you're right. He's 27 years old, by the way. I know people are probably wondering like, oh, how old is Josh Allen? He's 27 years old. So, you know, you talk about he, he's got a long ways to go. Five years from now, he'll be 32 years old. And still, I think you talk about phases. Yeah, the first phase was, okay, he's, he stinks. Maybe he's not very good. He's a bust. Phase two was, okay, he's ascending. Now, phase three to me is he's not ascending anymore, right? He's just an established superstar now. Now, phase four is can you go win the chip? I think that's mm-hmm. phase four, right? Where you've uh, established yourself as a superstar in this league. And then now the expectations are, can you go and win a championship? That's his phase four. We're going to see, I think, um, what that holds. Because, yeah, he's in his absolute, absolute like prime right now. So he's not an ascending player. He's in his prime. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's funny. We're, we're saying what we're saying because we're both arguing against each other from our last segment, right? Like I, I was saying, oh, go ahead and give me, you know, Justin Herbert. because yeah, we, we I'm, are. Right? <laughs> Right, because I'm like, yeah, go go ahead and give me the established quarterback because you're so much closer with the quarterback. But just Detroit, um, I I just been so impressed with the culture there uh, that uh, that Dan Campbell has instilled in Detroit, man. And um and and I just I buy into that kind of stuff, man. I really do. I think that they're they're a quarterback away, obviously, an outside wide receiver away from really exploding offensively. Uh, and I do wonder if um if they do find an heir apparent to Josh, excuse me, uh, to Jared Goff this year, uh, what that might look like. So interesting stuff, certainly. And again, there's no clear answer here. You know, again, Bills, Detroit, I don't think there's a real clear answer, uh, which is why it's great to debate this kind of stuff. Um, uh, Matt, should we get to some Discord slash mailbag questions? What do you say? We don't do that too often on the big show, man, but I do think we should do it. Yeah, let's do it. We had some good questions here from our folks in Discord. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped about this. Okay, uh, this is from our guy, TK421, uh, one of our sicko uh, tier subscribers. Uh, who's the best receiver in the AFC South, <laughs> and why is it Michael Pittman? All right, so you, you've got some dudes in here, right? You've got Michael Pittman. You've got Nico Collins, who freaking went for two bucks practically uh, there in week number 13. Calvin Ridley's in the mix. Uh, Christian Kirk obviously got injured. That's, that stinks, uh, but he's a pretty good player. Hey, how, how about Nuke Hopkins? Seem to forget about new Hopkins yeah. every now and again, but um, you know Josh Downs, Tank Dell, they're also in the mix. But 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 go ahead, uh, tell who's the best receiver in the AFC South, my man. Yeah, this actually was a pretty fascinating question, just because I think we've gotten some real breakthrough performances for yeah. wide receivers this year. Um, I, so I was like, let me let me sit down here and like mentally rank these receivers. Um, you know, just from a real life perspective, obviously yeah, not yeah, a fantasy yeah. perspective. So. Um, I do think Pittman is probably the best receiver in the AFC South, but I was pretty close to saying Nico Collins um, okay. is is overtaking him. But I'll, so I'll say I'll say right now Pittman one, yeah, Nico Collins slash Tank Dell two because I I want to refuse to rank those like one, rank one <laughs> ahead of the other. So I'll say Tank Dell. I mean he has been right. that good as a rookie. Then I think it's Calvin Ridley uh, is is the you know three or four depending on what you want to say about the Tank Dell thing. So. I think he's the third best guy. Um, I think Calvin Ridley of 2021 or 2022 or it's be 2021 mm-hmm. or 2020 would easily be the one on this list. But okay. I don't think he's looked quite like that guy this year, but he's, he's been a pretty good solid number one receiver for them. Um, so he, he's, he's third. And then I think it's Hopkins and Downs and Kirk. Uh, I, I mean, dude, Kirk's a really good player. So that's kind of yeah. a pretty strong receiver division sneakily. Um, okay. So I think you can go. It's, it's okay. I know you don't want to say Nico ahead of tank. Dell. I get that. It's, but it's okay. 
Okay, Tank is hurt. He's hurt. Broken leg. Yeah. Injury yeah. caveat. Injury caveat, you could say, <laughs> as we sit here today. And as a matter of fact, as we go into um, 2024, I think it's okay yeah. for you to say Nico is ahead of Tank Dell because of the injury caveat. Okay, so if you want to go Pittman, Nico there, that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll offer a little bit of pushback there. I, I think what we've seen from Calvin Ridley this year, um, even going into 2024, uh, factoring in age and all of those things, I'll still take Duke Hopkins. Um, at three, Pittman, Nico, New Hopkins, and then Calvin Ridley, just because Ridley has been so inconsistent this year. He'll, he'll probably won't even be in this division next year. Um, both these guys actually might not be in this division next year. New Hopkins, I know he's on a multi-year deal, but I know you really think he's you really think he's piddling around with the Titans again next year. I I, I would hope not. <laughs> and then and then Ridley is not. a free agent. I don't know. He may or may not be back in Jacksonville. That's a good we'll point. See. But uh, both these, so it's like it. I will say go like going into next year. Uh, I do think I'll I'll take Nico top of the division over Michael Pittman. Ooh, right now, today, I'll say Michael Pittman, but okay. I would say Nico at the top of the division. Tank and probably Tank Dell. Um, you know, he could pass uh, Michael Pittman if if he's healthy. So there's okay. that. All right, there you go. Uh, this is from Notham. Uh, what's the verdict on Cup? Is there anything showing happier days? Seems like he's lost a step. Also, is Puka legit? I'll, I'll go ahead and answer the second one, the second the second part of that question, which is Puka legit? Yes. All right. Now, what about the first part? What's the verdict on Cup? Yeah. What is this? Uh, what is this? September? Slaskin <laughs> Puka's legit? I mean, come on. Yes, he's good. Yeah, he's legit. He's legit. He's awesome. He's yeah. he's going to be really really good. He's probably needs to be the number one receiver from this draft <laughs> class so far. He's been incredible. And yeah, you know, great. the reception perception rookie report was awesome for him. So yeah, he's, he's, he's a stud. Um, cup though. Yeah, dude, I, I actually, no, I don't have a lot of like silver lining showing happier days. If you want to think there's happy days ahead, of course you could say that because he's a, he, we know he's a good player. Like we've yeah. seen him put good film on in the NFL, but right now he doesn't look like the same guy. Been talking about that on the show right. recently with the in-season charting is not good. Um, the lack of design targets, I think shows that right. Like the, uh, the design targets, all that stuff is away from Puka or is away from Cooper cup. And it's to Puka Nakua mm -hmm. because Puka Nakua is the better receiver right now. So um, no, I'm, I'm pretty nervous rest of season for Cooper cup. And I'm pretty nervous next season for Cooper cup. If he can't like get and stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, you think about a guy who's uh, going to be go entering into his age thirty one season, um, and and also just all of the the injuries have been piling up the last two seasons. Yeah. I mean, the guy's been an absolute Iron Man before that, but uh, but honestly, uh, the last two seasons have been really tough. I mean, we're talking about tightrope surgery, which is you know they've got to drill a bone uh, to go fix that high ankle, right? And then uh, you know I've been dealing with that ankle injury all year this year, and just. It's been tough. It has been a tough, um, tough road here for Cooper Cup. And so you do wonder, at, at, again, going into next year, he's going to be 31 years old. You know, what, what has he got left? Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I think uh, certainly uh, the health concerns there for Cooper Cup. Um, okay, this one is from, uh, I can't read this guy's name, Para80L uh, something or something or other. <laughs> Too many letters, too many numbers. All good. Uh, you got a contending team. Your best quarterback option is Dobbs. By the way, this is a fantasy question now. Fantasy question. If you have a contending fantasy team and your best quarterback option is Dobbs, would you try to trade for a better quarterback? But who's trading right now? Aren't the trading deadlines all passed or no? 
I don't well, I know. That's dynasty, a good question. I guess you could. Some dynasty leagues leave their yeah. trading deadline open all year long. And let me tell you this. Yes, you need a better option than Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs might not even start this week. Yeah, which is um, we're We're recording this uh, Tuesday evening. Like you said, we're recording a little earlier. Um, yeah, they're going to announce on Wednesday who's starting this week. I mean, Josh Dobbs has been terrible the last two games for the Vikings. Like, he's been awful. And I think Kevin O'Connell's gotten pretty fed up with it. It's kind of like a little bit of a double-edged sword there. Like Josh Dobbs allows you to create with the rushing ability and adds that uh-huh. dimension. And so like kind of elevates your floor. But at the same time, he's been – you can't – oh, I'm the floor elevator because of my rushing ability, but I turn the ball over all the time like because <laughs> I make so many mistakes. But then like are they going to turn to Nick Mullins or back to Jaron Hall, the rookie? I don't know. That That's tough. So I think – look, you can't – if this is a one quarterback league, I don't know who you're trading for. Um, you know, I don't, maybe there's somebody on the waiver wire, but like, yo, you can't be just rolling in here with Josh Dobbs, who might get friggin' benched. So yeah, you're gonna need a better option. Yeah, that really doesn't make sense. I, the, he's like a, a low level uh, Tim Tebow. I don't want to say low level, but like not as much fanfare oh, Tim God. Tebow right now. Uh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 <laughs> Let's slow down. I don't mean low level in terms of skill. <laughs> I mean like not as much fanfare, uh, not yeah. as much polarizing takes. Um, as uh, Tim Tipa, where like the guy, it's interesting, right? Like he just goes out there and uh, for the most part, he wins games. When he wins, you're like, oh man, I, he's just out there like putting the team on his back. But then when he loses, you're like, oh my God, can this guy actually throw the football? I'm not even sure. Um, so yeah, no, two bad losses now. Uh, one to the, the one to Chicago was bad. Um, the offense looked completely out of sorts. The one against Denver, uh, and again, these are all really close games that he's lost too. So maybe the narrative is different um, if he pulls out those close, you know, those close games. So it's kind of interesting. But I, I agree with you. I don't think he's been playing uh, particularly good football. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have brought up the Tim Tebow comparison. <laughs> God that was sakes. yikes. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, how about this from Bo? Uh, St. Elevate. Um, which receiver has your perception of changed? I see the perception there. I got you now. Uh, what 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 receiver um, do you feel like your your mentality has changed the most on to start the season? One improved, one decreased. What what say you, Matt Harmon? So my improved one, I think this is going to be like kind of a sneaky one, but my improved one is actually DJ Moore. Um, mm. You know, I talked about this with Matt Waldman. Uh, while ago on the pod that like he might be actually like a great dynasty buy right now um that was in the middle of the season but if you look at it dj moore is kind of having a career year Hmm. um 83.6 yards per game best of his career 75.3 catch rate best of his career 10.8 yards per target best of his career um his success rate just not not RP success rate, but uh, successful play percentage is 64.5%. That's clearly the best of his career. And like Justin Fields is a good, is a good quarterback. He's definitely better than some of the, the knuckleheads that uh, DJ Moore was playing with in Carolina. You know, the, the ghost of Cam Newton, the, he, the ghost of Cam Newton, the Baker Mayfield and PJ Walker and Sam Darnold and, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, right? Like Bridgewater is pretty Bridgewater is probably the best quarterback I just named yep. off there when you when you for think sure. about Cam Newton for what he was right at that point. But yeah, no I mean, shoulder cam yeah, was was tough. Yeah, no shoulder cam, not great. So, like all that stuff being said, you know, you get to Justin Fields here, who's not a perfect quarterback, right? He has his flaws, but um, he has been money with with DJ Moore so far this year. Mm-hmm. He's been getting the ball, like, and I, I'm saying this because I th- said coming into the year, like. 
I don't know. You know, maybe DJ Morris topped out as being a very good number one receiver. And I think he probably has still very good number one receiver, but is he a great number one receiver mm-hmm. coming out of this year, the way he's played in Chicago, He's been great getting open, separating the whole thing. I think he is a guy that is uh, maybe in that great number one receiver tier. I mean, maybe like a top 15 receiver in the league. So I would say he's been a guy that I've changed from a uh, perception standpoint on a positive angle there. That's interesting. All right, and who's uh, fallen in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it has to be Cooper Cup, who who we just talked about, right? Uh-huh. Um, right. It just, it's it sucks. Um, it's not fun to talk about, but from an injury standpoint, I think he's definitely someone that, you know, I've, I've, I've started to get lower on just because of the, what we're seeing, you know, I mean, and, yeah. and it's hard to get away. It's hard to get away from that. Um, you know, I think you could also talk about, uh, you know, maybe a player. I think Sky Moore didn't have the season I expected. Um, sure. but at the same time, he wasn't like, a great player or anything, but yeah, I think just in terms, he was just a, a flyer, right? Like a rookie yeah. flyer, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, the negative, the negative perception, I don't think there's someone out there. I think other than cup who I think is like, oh man, yeah, he looks like he's, he's hit a wall, right? That, that that's probably the biggest concern. You know, by the way, speaking of Cooper cup, I would not be surprised. And obviously this is pure speculation on my part, but once the Rams get eliminated, would you be surprised at all? Just given the health concerns and the age for Cooper cup, if they just shut them down? Well, here's the problem, buddy. They might not get eliminated. <laughs> they, they might make the playoffs. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. But I, I think they're, they, it's a pretty low chance, right? If I'm not mistaken. I mean, they're they're the eighth seed right now. We just talked about the damn Vikings might bench their quarterback. Oh my um, you know, I, I think uh, right. So I'm looking up New York Times right now. They have a really good uh-huh. playoff uh, predictor model. They have at 48 percent chance to make the postseason. OK, that's way um, better than I thought. I thought it was like something like, you know, 20 percent or something like that, because they're six, nah, they're six, six and six right now. Yeah, six and six. I mean, the Seahawks have really tanked lately. They're down to 24 percent. So um, interesting. Yeah, that that's definitely a concern there. So I think that I just think Cup is a guy like he has to be the player you say decrease because coming into the year we would have we had him in the top seven. We had him as our seventh ranked receiver. He was a guy that was clearly um, on the up and up, right? You know, as an elite yeah. player. And now right. I just think yeah, the, my perception on him has definitely changed. And, and I think you could say Ridley too, but not in like a super. He's tough because we didn't play for a year and a half. So yeah, he's a different player. <laughs> exactly. He's a different player than he was a year and a half ago. Okay, that, that's definitely true. <laughs> Which is true of almost every player, for God's sakes. Um, all right, how about this from Slay Boss? Are the Colts starting to become an even more efficient offense? And if so, why are we not saying the same level of play? Uh, from Josh Downs that we were seeing earlier. Why are we not seeing the same level of play from Josh Downs that we are seeing earlier? Yeah, so the Colts are definitely not becoming a more efficient offense. Um, This would be the the area where I'd push back Mm -hmm. because they're like, if you look at them right now from an EPA per play standpoint, they're 19th. If you look at them from like a dropback success rate standpoint, they're 23rd in the NFL right now. They're 18th in dropback EPA. They've actually been a pretty good run team. Um, obviously having Jonathan Taylor back has helped them a little bit, but even from like a down to down consistency standpoint, um, they're 22nd in rushing success rate on the year. So again, yeah. that, that's all on, on the season. Um, now, if you look at the Colts, obviously like right now, since week 10, they're still right around like the middle of the pack in terms of uh, dropback success rate and, and EPA per dropback. They're right around like hmm, 16th. So they're not really becoming more efficient. They're not really get, uh, like I've said, Gardner Minshew is, um, 
is maybe is he who's better, Gardner Minshew or Sam Howell? I don't know. That's a good question. But like they're all in the same bucket of quarterbacks, right? Uh-huh. Where Minshew like tries to throw the game away three or four times. Uh, during, I, I think I up it every time I say this, but like <laughs> two to three times a game he tries to throw the game away. Yeah, but yeah. Shane Steichen does a really good job scheming it up, cutting it up there from a scheme perspective. So um, look, Josh Downs definitely has been playing with a knee injury all season, so there's definitely been some management of that. But uh-huh. um, yeah, I, I, like we actually got a lot of Josh Downs questions in the in the in the uh, mailbags. Like, yo, Josh Downs is fine. Relax. Like he had a. Three catch game, it's big. It's not a big deal. I do wonder too if um, there's some highlight bias in here because every week it seems, or at least at least for the last month, it has seemed like the Colts have given us some really good highlights. Um, but I would point to matchups here. Okay, so the last four games, and this is over. They did have a bye week in week eleven. It includes a, a game against Carolina. We know that their secondary stinks. A game against New England, who again, because of injuries, they're secondary stinks um week 12 they saw tampa bay who is just cannot defend the pass right now um and week 13 they just saw tennessee who we have uh, highlighted many many times <laughs> their defense is not good uh especially their pa- their pass defense in particular uh, is really poor right so we're talking about four games in a row now um, where the Indianapolis Colts have seen some really good matchups. And as a result, I think we've seen some really nice highlights too. So I, I do wonder if there's a little bit of highlight bias in here. Although I will be I will be 100% honest with you, when you were reading out those EPA numbers, I'm actually shocked that it wasn't higher than league average over the last four weeks. I really am surprised by that because um, I, and maybe a lot of that is the turnovers. Uh, because as you mentioned, Gardner Minshew is turning the rock over. So maybe, and that impacts your EPA considerably. Uh, but man, when they, they did score ten points against the Patriots, like, yeah, did we for, did we forget how miserable that game was to watch uh, that horrible. Germany game? <laughs> that was, was not was that horrible. was not fun. Even the game prior to that against the Panthers, um, they scored two offensive touchdowns, but Kenny Moore scored two defensive touchdowns. That's why they had seventeen points, mm. so or twenty seven points. So from that two week stretch, like. They really only had three offensive touchdowns combined. Like there was, Interesting. Um, again, Jonathan Taylor scored a touchdown uh, in both games back to back. And then you look at, um, oh no, excuse me, they only scored one touchdown uh, against the uh, against the damn Panthers because uh, Minshew threw a touchdown. And it was to Jonathan Taylor. So yeah, not not great. <laughs> All right, this is from Griffin. Uh, when you're charting receivers who are struggling to get open, what traits are you looking for for them to display for you to stay optimistic on a player? So we're talking about a player who struggles to get open, but maybe there's some traits here. What traits do you look for? And you can say, oh, maybe, maybe we get a little turnaround here. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, so traits are obviously different than skills. Um, like skills and stuff like that, I'd be thinking about like, you know, route running a technique and everything. But, um, it also is not good if you have like a guy who's a really good technician, but then can't get open because then you yeah. think there's an athleticism problem, and that's something you just I mean you probably can't really fix. Um, so, I think in terms of uh, traits, I mean obviously I'm looking for speed, right? Like quick twitch ability. Like you can you can see a lot of guys sometimes, and um, actually I think we talked about DJ Moore. DJ Moore is a great example of this. Is a guy who um, had a lot of um, quick twitch ability. And like could change directions really well, but just didn't have a plan as a route runner against press man coverage and didn't mm-hmm. have like kind of that timing and tempo down yet. That was one thing like, okay, he can improve. You know, he can he can get better with this if, if he has just enough like time on task, right? 
um, th- that is an, an area I'd be looking for something uh, like that. Like a, like quick change of directions, fluidity, things like that. Those are those are some traits I'd be looking for. Obviously, you know, if you're going to be a jump ball player, you're not getting open much. You're, you're looking for different things. You're looking for right. leaping ability. You're looking for uh, comfort in tight coverage. That's another thing too. I think like, okay, guy loses versus press coverage. How is he losing? Is it like a, is it a physicality issue or is it mm-hmm. a technique issue? Because I think physicality issue, you know, that might be a tough thing to fix. That's like a mindset thing, right? That's like a, a maybe a size a dimensions type of thing. Yep. But I think if you're looking at um, a player who is comfortable in tight coverage, is comfortable with physical play, but isn't there from a technique standpoint yet, that can improve. Uh, all right. We got a lot of great questions, but this is the last question for today uh, from the discord. Uh, this is from stink boy 69. <laughs> I love the hand. Nice. Uh, who do you think is the most poorly utilized receiver in the league right now? This is a tough one because I feel like there's a few. Well, we've talked about Elijah Moore. I think he's got to be up there in terms yeah. of just. Uh, Can like, I throw one out we, for you? Yeah, go for it. How about Chris Olave? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I we've talked about the lack of layup routes. I assume that's what you mean. Yeah, they, they ask him to run a lot of deep routes, and then they pair him with the quarterback that doesn't want to throw deep. So that seems <laughs> That seems like a very odd uh, process there when you bring in Derek Carr. Uh, there, There is some of that. Um, I don't know. Who else is there? I think Chris Olave is definitely pretty high up there, though. Uh, Olave's got to be up there. Like I said, I think Elijah Moore's got to be up there. Yep. Uh, I don't think anything that Kansas City is doing in their wide receiver room is great <laughs> um, uh, from a from a utilization standpoint. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think I think I'd, uh, Chris Olave is a good example. Um, I think Calvin Ridley is like a George Pickens like big X receiver is not great. I don't love that one. Um, you know, Curtis Samuel is a little gadgety player. I don't love. So yeah, th- those are kind of ones that that stick out to me in terms of poorly utilized. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely like. I said on Twitter today, I feel like Elijah Moore like makes me like a crazy person. Cause like I watch oh, this guy, yeah. I'm like, why are we not like using him on downfield routes when he gets open and just like, ah, nah, let's, let's do little bubble screens and jet sweep bullshit. Let's do that instead. I don't get it. It just, that, that just makes me, yeah. It, <laughs> I just am like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but it's all good anyway. So there you go. We don't get to some of these discord mailbag questions very often, but, uh, but when we do, obviously, uh, some of our uh, Discord members very polished and uh, knowledgeable about the game, so I certainly like their perspective on it as well. Anyways, that's the show, man. Um, if you guys have questions for us, obviously hit us up on the various social media. You can uh, jump into Discord as well if you're a, a subscriber to the to the website. Go check it out, by the way, receptionperception.com. All right, there you go. That's the show. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. Peace.